Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. And I want to take you to Ruth. And, and all of us understand the, the eschatology of Ruth, the story of Ruth, uh, just kind of the derivative of, of the story. Anybody, everybody kind of understand, have you heard that story before in the Bible of Ruth? But I want to just, I want to just... Tonto, where'd you go? Okay, all right. Uh, yeah, I need that. <laughs> um, but Ruth, the first chapter, and we're going to start in verse four. And uh, I just want to—I just want to read through some 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 of this story really, really quickly. And they took them wives. So we're going to start in verse four. And they took them wives of women of Moab. All right, of women of Moab. And I want, I want to talk about Moab today and what it represented and who Ruth was because they identified her by where she came from. Anybody ever get sick and tired of being identified where you come from? <laughs> okay, y'all going to preach with me, so I'm just going to preach by myself. Okay, yeah, I get sick and tired of them telling me about Okay, okay, all right. Because I'm from Texas. We in the Bible Belt, so we're going to preach a little bit, all right? Okay, all right. So I'm going to need you to talk back to me a little bit. Uh, the net, yeah, go ahead, bring it all, all day. You can, you can put that B3 on and we're ready to go. And, and the name of the one was Oprah, Orpa, sorry, not Oprah. And the other was Ruth. Okay. Y'all going to have fun with me today. Okay. All right. And they dwelt there about 10 years and Melion and Chilion died. Those are the husbands. Okay. Melion and Chilion died, both of them. And the women was left the woman was left of her two children and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she heard in the country of Moab how that Jehovah had visited his people in giving them bread. I want you to turn to, um, come down to, Come down to verse, I think it's 16. And it says, Jehovah deal kindly with you. Maybe it's 14. Jehovah deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and you have dealt with me. Jehovah grant you that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and lift up their voices and wept. And they said to her, Nay, but we will return with you unto the people, thy people. And Naomi said, turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? I have no sons left. I got nothing left. Turn again, my daughters. Go your way. We're going to skip down. And so it says, and they lift up their voice and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth, she held on. Here's what, I want to, here's what I want to preach to us today, just for a few minutes. Pick me up easy. I'm broken. Pick me up easy. I'm broken. God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you that we get to minister your gospel and we get to preach your word. Because it's strong. Your word is a mighty tower that we run into and we are safe. The righteous run in. God, and we are safe. 
So I pray your word is anointing. I pray that you would anoint my mouth and I pray that you would anoint their hearts and their ears that they would hear what you are saying today. Pick me up easy. I'm broken. Um, I love this story. Thank you, Tonto. I appreciate it. Can you all give him a hand? Because let's just... So anywhere that I get to go, so I travel full time and me and Pastor Chino, man, we, we actually connected and in, in prison, not, not, not locked up in prison. Okay, time out. But we were serving a ministry in prison. It's kind of funny. Uh, Melanie, my wife, she had a small group and we had about 25 families. So our house was full and I was on a Mike Barber weekend, which is the, the prison ministry that we get to go in and hang out, do some ministry with. And my little girl's running around the house saying, oh, where's your daddy? Oh, he's not here. He's in prison. <laughs> and Melanie kept having to be like, well, he's in prison, but he'll be home on Saturday. And they're like, wow, that was, that was a short, that was a short sentence. They're like, no, no, no. He's there leading worship and speaking. <laughs> so yeah, you got to be careful how you, how you say that. But we got to, we got to hang out and do some ministry in a prison together. And that, that's how we connected. But I love, I love, I love the story of Ruth. I love the story of Ruth. Now, we understand that Imelech was Naomi's husband. Naomi and Imelech had two sons, Melion and Chilion, and they left Bethlehem, which here's the funny thing, because there was a famine in the land. So they left Judah. They left Bethlehem. If you look up the word Bethlehem, it's called, y'all know what it's called? The house of bread. They left the house of bread. And, And here's the deal. If you Google it, from the, from the place that they left in Bethlehem to where they ended up in Moab was only 18 miles. 18 miles. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I'll take anchovies on my pizza. Um, but they, they left. It was only 18 miles. Now, granted, they had to walk it because, but 18 miles, I drive 18 miles to go to a, to a restaurant. I drive 18 miles to go get my favorite Dunkin' Donuts. Hey, all right. Hallelujah. Uh, hallelujah. That was a good time for you to give me that. Uh, um, but it's, but, but my, my point is, is that it was more than just the famine that Elimelech left. The Bible doesn't say, but there was something more because it was just, it was just right down the street. Now, here's the, here's, the, here's the interesting thing about Moab. So Moab was, uh, anybody remember the story of uh, Sodom, Gomorrah, and when it fell, and, and there was a man named Malot, and he had a wife and two daughters, and God told him to get out of the city, but don't turn around and look. Y'all remember that story, right? So as Lot is leaving, he's walking with his two daughters, and his wife does one of these, and then she does one of these, right? So she's stuck, and she's a pillar of salt. So Lot and his two daughters leave, and they're, 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 they're fleeing and they, they end up in the, in what they would call kind of the wilderness. Now there's a story that we don't have time to get into, but I want to, under, I want you to understand where Moab comes from because they settle in this desert, this father and these two daughters, these two daughters get in their mind that we don't have any brothers. So our name is going to die. They get their father very drunk and they sleep with their father and they both become pregnant. Now there's this incest and one of them has a son. Guess what his name is? Moab. Okay. So Moab is built bread 
and, and created around this ancestral relationship. So it's already toxic as it is. The second thing about Moab is when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, they were on the run. Pharaoh was behind them. They, try, they got to Moab and they said, will you give us safe place? And the men of Moab stood and warded off and would not let the children of Israel in to Moab. And so they had to, they had to, no, you can't come in here. You, you got you got to keep going. You got to keep moving. So it's written, it's written in the Torah, the oral Torah, and you can, you can find this in the Midrash that there was a law set in motion that the Moabites, yep, they done. They're the family that doesn't get invited to Thanksgiving. Okay. So Moab was done. Moab was, it was, it was like, you remember that, that scene where Simba and Mufasa are standing there and they're looking out and, and Simba says, daddy, what's that out there? He says, that's the Badlands. Knowing nobody go out to the Badlands. Okay. So that's Moab. I'm trying to give you understanding. Okay. So Moab is a place of desolation. It's, it's, it's a place that you do not want to be, especially as a children, a child of Israel. The, the law says that you are as a man, as a, as an Israelite man, you are not, you, uh, excuse me, as an Israelite woman, you are not allowed to marry a Moabite man. It's, 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 you're X'd out. You're done. It's over. You, you don't pass go. You go straight to jail. Okay. So I'm giving you some backstory because I love what it says here in this story. Um, but it says that, so Ruth, uh, let's see, it would be, uh, Ruth chapter 1, 21, 22. She says, and here's the interesting thing. So Naomi, Orpah and Naomi and, and, and Ruth are standing on this road. They've lost their husbands. They've lost, lost everything. And Naomi says, I'm going home because I've heard that the famine is over and I'm going back to the house of bread. I'm going back to where I was. But here's the interesting. Here's the interesting thing. The first words of this scripture just blow my mind. Ruth chapter 1, 21, 22. I went out full. Why would you leave a place if you were full? We skip over that. Why, why would you ever leave a place? Because honestly, the little famine that you left to go 18 miles and settle in a place doesn't seem so bad when you've lost your husband, you've lost your sons, you've lost everything that you've ever known. You're in this wilderness land. Now you have two daughters-in-law that it just, it doesn't even make sense because now you have this connection because you know what the law says. I'm bringing back these Moabite women. And so when Naomi is saying this, she's saying this in a kind way, in the sweetest way, but like, why don't you go back to your mama's house? Why don't you stay it's your husband's house because they had homes, they had lands, they had settled there, they had created lives there. Why don't you just stay here and let me leave and go home? Because I know my people, they are not come home. When you come walking through the door, you are not going to be accepted because I went out full and Jehovah has brought me home empty. Pick me up easy. I'm broken. I went out full, but I came back empty. And here it is. Ruth chapter two, verse two through six. And Ruth, the Moabitess. That's how they identified her. 
It wasn't, oh, that is Ruth, Naomi, and Imelech's daughter-in-law. That's not, oh, Ruth, that's, that's Chilion or, or Melion's wife. It is Ruth the Moabitess because she may as well have been a leper in the camp because when she walked in, they identified who she was. And here's what I want to do. I want to talk about that for just, just a minute because we all understand the story of how, how that you, you get, you get to, you, 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 you get to Moab, you, or you get to, you get to Bethlehem and you find a, you find a field and you glean in a field and you find this guy named Boaz who is, who is a kinsman of, of your father-in-law and your husband. And, and he's a kinsman of Naomi. And, and there's this man that's going to redeem you and he's going to bring everything back to you. But she has to, she has to hide herself. Every time you look at the scripture, every time that you look at this story, Ruth is finding herself kind of in the background because it wasn't until uh, it, it, I love I love one of the verses. It says that the servant that was over the reapers, that was over the the the, the women that were that were picking up picking up the the, the 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 sheaves because it was the women's job to pick them up and take it to the threshing floor, and it was the men's job to work in the threshing floor. So the women brought the wheat to the fre- the threshing floor, and the men would thresh for hours on end and they would push those things around and they would turn it into wheat. So it was the woman's job to glean, to pick it up and take it to the threshing floor. And so you, I, I, I gotta be careful cause I don't, I don't want no daggers, but you know, women like they, they talk just a little bit. Right. And so you can, I mean, you can just imagine, you, I mean, you women get it. You come home and you, you, you say about 20,000 words to your husband and he said, uh-huh, <laughs> uh-huh. She just hit her husband and said, come on, boy. <laughs> uh-huh. Right? I get it. I get it. I was like, I said 85 words today. I'm good. All right? I'm, I'm totally good. I said good morning to you. I said good morning to the kids. And I said hi to the lady at Starbucks. I'm fine. I, I got another eight hours. I don't need to say anything. Right? So you can just imagine being in that space, being identified as Ruth the Moabitess. Okay? Ruth the woman that came from the place that is... It's the badlands. And so she keeps finding herself in these places. She keeps finding herself in these situations. But it just, God is pushing her. God keeps pushing her into this place. And here's why. There was a destiny that was on Ruth's life. There was something that was bigger than herself. There was something that was driving her because now, now the, the, the tables have turned and what Naomi had walked out in Moab, Ruth is now walking out in Judah because Judea, because she is now away from her family. She's away from everything that she knows. She's away. Her husband has died. Her father-in-law has died. You know, they're living back in the property because Imelech still had property there. They just left everything, but they're living. She's living in a foreign place. But here's the difference is that Elimelech and Naomi and her and their sons were accepted in Moab. But Ruth was not accepted by the children of Israel. Because they identify her as Ruth the Moabitess. They identify you as, oh yeah, that's so-and-so, the. That's so-and-so, the. Oh, that's so-and-so, hide your kids. Oh, that's so-and-so, don't ever let them borrow money. Oh, that's so-and-so, yeah, I wouldn't eat their food. We laugh about that, right? 
But the reason why she's identified by that is because they are identifying her by a place and a people, but they are not identifying her by the heart in which she said, where you go, I will go. And where you die, I will die. And your people will be my people. And your God will be my God. So they are identifying her by something that has happened in her past. I, if you if 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 you had a if you had a screen and you put my past up on this screen, I could not look you in the face, because if you are identifying me by my past, if you are identifying me by Justin the Moabite, if you are identifying me by Justin the guy who used to be a cage fighter and the things that he done when he was in Russia and the things that he done that when he was in Thailand and the things he used to do in Mexico, you would not be able to sit here and listen to me speak because I am standing here yet by the grace and the mercy of God. So I'm preaching to you today. Somebody walked in today and you said, I'm sick and tired of being identified by my past. I'm being sick and tired of being identified by the thing that was done to me when I was a child and the thing that my uncle or my aunt or my father did to me or the social status in which we grew up or the economic status in which we grew up or the side of town that we lived on or the ailment that I have. You keep getting identified by the very thing that should not define you, but it keeps defying you. And let's just be honest. It breaks us. It hurts us. It crushes us. We find ourselves, instead of being the weak, we find ourselves on the threshing floor and being put on a thing, and we find ourselves being trampled. We don't talk about the threshing floor. We talking about we talk about the wheat and that they they and I love I love this I love this verse. It says that her hap was to lighten on a part of the field. There was a bunch of fields. It was harvest season. I come from I'm I'm originally from California in the Central Valley. Everybody wants to go to the Bay Area and they want to go to Los Angeles, but there's this whole big valley that's about eight and a half hours to get across it by car. And Adolf Hitler said, if I could come to America, I would conquer the world by settling in the Central Valley because that is where 85% of all food, fruits, and vegetables come from. So I understand what it is. I, 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 I've, I've, I've done it as, as a kid and going out and picking grapes and, and, and picking plums and, and, and shaking almond trees. And, and, pick, and I, I know what that's like. I know what that's like to, to pick that stuff. And I know what it's like. And it says her hat was she lightened on a part of a field. There's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of acres of fields after fields. And you don't know one where one farmer's peach trees ends and another farmer's peach trees begin. You have no idea. You're just saying, go out there. You're going to work in the field today. Well, where do I go? Oh, field number four. I have no idea where field number four because there's 85 fields out there. Yeah. But the Bible says that she happened to be on the right field at the right time and the right place. Somebody who was broken, somebody who was crushed, somebody who had no hope, somebody who was absolutely just walking out something that says, God, I have no idea how this is going to work out. I'm already old. I'm already I'm already past my childbearing years. 
in those days, it was all about children. It was all about a man child. It was all about girls were great, right? We needed, we needed women. But in those days, they put such an emphasis on men, children. And Ruth is saying, I, I don't have anything else. Because when Ruth came in to their home in Moab, there was something in Moab that didn't settle well with her. There was something that, that, that these, these Israelite people had that she desired. There was a destiny. There was this thing that was pulling her. And we obviously understand what that thing was because we're going to get to the line of Ruth in a second. But I want you to be, I want you to understand something. And this is what I feel. I want to jump back to it says that they stood on the road and they embraced and they wept. And Naomi said, go back to your mother's house. And then she said, go back to your husband's house. Meaning that go back to your own house. Find you another husband, find you another. And it says that Orpah kissed her mother and she turned around and walked out. I don't know who in your life and in your world keeps identifying you by who you are or what you were or what you aren't. But if somebody chooses to turn around and walk out of your life, as T.D. Jake says, let them Because think about it one more time, and I gotta, I gotta move quick. Think about it one more time. Ruth is standing on the road. After everything that we're losing, and we're gonna go to this land, at least I got my sis. At least I got Orpah, because me and Orpah, we can do this thing together. I feel this really strong in the Holy Spirit right now. There, this, is, this is my family. This is my sister-in-law. We've been through this together. We've watched our father-in-law die, and we were there when my father-in-law, and then we were there when Chilion died, and we all came together as a family, and then, there, then Milion died, and we were all there together as a family, and then now we're standing on a road, and there's just three of us, and we love Naomi. She's our mother-in-law. We've been together for 10 years, but you're, you're, you're another Moabite woman, and so we have this connection. We have this thing, and so Orpah's standing there, and she's hugging and she's kissing and Ruth is watching her and be like okay here we go and then she's watching the very last thing that has anything to do with all of her that she grew up everything that she knows and it walks out of her life there are some people in your life there are some relationships in your life there are some things in your life that you keep holding on to because you think that it's the only thing that is you're holding on to something that is familiar you're holding on to something that but if I let this go if I, if, 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 if I let this go, I, it will, it, this is the only thing I have. It's, it's the security blanket. It's the very thing. You know, as soon as you, as soon as you get in an accident, they put those, those, those space suits on you. And you're like, why do you put a space suit on me? Because your body automatically goes into shock and you will start to begin to shiver in, in a hundred degree weather because your body just starts to freak out. And so that's what we do sometimes. Sometimes it's the very thing. So I can hear, I can hear Ruth just in, in her heart's cry being like, I'm not going, but please don't leave. Please, please, please don't, please don't. Oh. How many times has family members, parents, relationships, jobs, economic things, sicknesses, diseases, being like, please, please, God, please, 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 please. And it just walks out. I said this to somebody the other day. We've said this a lot of times. The thing that we think is rejection is actually God's protection. protection. So I feel that in the room. 
as Queen Elsa would say. I already told you, I got, I got daughters, okay? I got three girls, okay? So, Ruth finds herself having lost everything, having lost every single thing in her life. And she ends up on this field. She ends up in this place. And I love, I love the stories. And if we had time, we'd preach them. We'd, I'd, have them I'd have them crank up that organ and we'd preach that he handed out like little things of purpose. And you just happened up into a place and nothing ever just. But I just feel, I've, I've felt it for days and days and days. There's somebody in this place that's broken. There's somebody in this place that your heart is broken. Yeah, you know what? You've been serving this place and you've been getting this thing ready. And man, they're about to do turkeys. And man, we about to have a bunch of people up in this joint and we're going to pack this place out and it's going to be dope. But when you left today and you got that little, you looked at your bank account and you got $27 in your account and you're saying, how in the world am I going to figure this out? How in the world am I going to make this happen? How in the world am I going to do Christmas for my kids? How in the world is this going to happen? I don't even have the proper job. I can't even put gas in my car, but I'm coming to the house and I'm going to serve the people but pick me up easy God because you know what I'm just a little bit broken in this place and you sit behind a hallelujah and you sit behind a smile and you sit behind behind a lanyard and you say I'm good I'm serving the people I'm standing up here on a stage and I'm leading you in worship and I'm playing my instrument and I'm back there serving in audio and video and I'm a part of the worship team but deep down inside I'm saying mm -hmm. I'm just a little bit broken because there's some things in my life that are right. I got some stuff that God has promised me in my ministry. I got some things that God has said I'm going to do this for you and I'm going to do this over your husband and I'm going to do this over your wife and I'm going to bring your children back and I'm going to bring those relationships and we just keep walking it out. But really, but Ruth was saying is if I stop, if I don't keep going, if I don't keep walking and I don't keep moving, I will literally lose my mind. I will lose everything that I have. All I got is my heart and all I got is my mind. And so I can't stop and I can't stay here on this road. I got to keep moving. And so some of us are in that place. You're saying, God, please, just please help me get through the day. Help me get through the rest of the year. But God sent me here today because I understand. Can I, can I just get real? And I know we had some guests coming. Is it all right? Is it all right? I grew up a preacher's kid. I grew up a pastor's son. And my dad was preaching a revival in Arkansas. And like we always, we used to have church on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. And then we did, we knocked doors on outreach on Saturdays. And I'll never forget, it was a Sunday night. Pick me up easy, I'm broken. It was a Sunday night. We had finished service. It was raining. We were driving back from Denny's to where we were staying. My dad had been there for like four weeks preaching a revival. This is when we used to have like six-week-long revivals. <laughs> I, I grew up in this thing. My mama was playing. My mama was the church organist. She was playing the organ when her water broke with me. All right? I, I'm born in this thing. We're driving down the road, and I'm a I'm a I'm a eight nine year old kid, ten year old kid, in the back seat, half asleep. It's raining, good old southern storm. And this pastor flips the car around. He says, "I want to show you something. I'll never forget it." I didn't understand what was happening at the time. 
said, I want to show you something. He said, I want to show you what sin will do. My dad is in the front seat. My mom was in the car with the, the pastor's wife. And he pulls up what, we, what we'd call out in Texas, the feeder road. <laughs> and he flips his brights on. And there's a woman walking down the side of the feeder road. She slips and falls flat on her face. He says, you see that woman right there? He says, she used to be in my church. She used to be on my lead team. He begins to tell of what she used to be. He said, but now she's just a, a whore and a drug addict. She's just a waste. That's what sin will do. That's what turning your back on God will do. My dad's sitting there. My dad found God in prison. My dad reaches over and grabs the latch to the door and begins to open the car door in the rain. And the pastor says, what are you doing? He said, I can't leave her out there in the mud. I can't leave her out there in the dirt. She says, but she'll recognize me and she'll recognize my car. My dad said, then you should have never pulled over. That pastor unbuttoned his jacket and he put his, he put his face over his jacket or put his, his, his jacket over his face. My dad went down there and got in the mud and he picked that lady up and he walked her across the street and he took her to a, to a convenience store. He said, you stay right here. He got back in the car and he said, take me home. My dad went home, told my mom, he said, we're going back to the store. My dad went back to the store. She was gone and he asked, he said, where did the woman go? She said, she went across the street to the motel. I'll never forget my parents going across the street and there's this beautiful story of redemption. But sometimes people identify you. Sometimes the church, unfortunately, you've been to churches, you've been to places that identify you as Ruth the Moabitess. Sometimes she couldn't help it. She'd been molested by her dad, her brothers, her uncles. They used to videotape, her parents used to videotape her having sex with her uncles and her brothers. She couldn't deal with it. She tried. She did everything she could, but she was broken. All she would come in and say, God, pick me up. Be careful, I'm broken. I'll never forget, I was driving home. I told you I was a pro fighter. I was driving home. I, I, I was UFC 52, and I was an alternate in UFC 52, and I was driving. I was living in San Diego, and I was driving home from, from, from Las Vegas to San Diego. It was on Father's Day weekend. It was the first time my dad had ever been to a, a professional fight, and I took him, and I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time, and we were driving home, and, and I was driving, and I was about, it was about 500 yards in front of me. I saw this explosion. When I got up to it, there was this god-awful wreck. There was a family that, there was five of them that were lost. They burned to death. I tried to save the man. I couldn't pull the man out of the car. And I ran back to the other car and there was this man, this older man in a 280Z hatchback. 
those hatchback cars, two seaters, and we couldn't get them out because his door. And I remember just, I had to, I had to, my, I didn't have shoes on because I had taken my shoes off. And I, I just, I, I, I'm a, I'm a when, when it comes to fight or flight, I run to it. And I remember just jumping out of my car and running and trying to save the man that was hanging out of the burning car. I couldn't save him. And I ran back to this old man and there was a golf club. He had golf clubs and we were beating his back windshield. And I finally shattered his windshield and I climbed through and he was just moaning and crying in pain. And I remember his car had caught on fire, the motor, and we were trying to get him out. And I, 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 I got him out through the back and he was like, oh, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, I'm hurting, I'm hurting. And about that time, the paramedics came up and they were like, stop, stop, don't touch him. And I was like, but he's about to burn up in this car. They were like, don't touch him. He has a neck injury. And if you move him, if you take him out of that car, the one little vertebrae that is holding his life together will be severed. I didn't know how to handle him, but I knew that he needed help, but I didn't know how to handle him. Oh man, I wish I had, I had time, but I don't. I didn't know how to handle him, but somebody came along that knew how to handle him because in his mind, he was saying, pick me up, get me out of this car. But what I didn't realize, he was broken. We've had to walk out some things of being broken. And I love, I love this, I love where this story goes. Because it says that Boaz, the owner of the field, the Kingsman Redeemer, we've, 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 we've preached about that. We've preached about the glory. She comes, she comes to Boaz. She uncovers his feet. It's, a, it's an amazing proposal. But he says, before I marry you, there's one more ahead of me in line. We have to, we have to visit with him first. Boaz the next morning goes to the gate and I'm landing pastor Chino. Boaz goes to the gate and waits for him he find he sees him says hey we need to talk he goes and gets 10 elders of the city he says you know Naomi Imelech they have land here they have houses here so it's up for sale it's yours because you're the first in line and he says absolutely because it's a great investment absolutely I'll take it well Boaz I want Boaz tells him, I wanted to do the right thing. You're the next in line. And as they're walking away, Boaz says, oh, wait, wait. You also know that it comes with Ruth. And instantly he says, nope, I don't want it. Because the Bible says, it says that it will ruin the inheritance of my house. Meaning he didn't want the stigma of Ruth the Moabitess and Boaz says yes I'll take it and before everybody in the city I want you to hear this Ruth Naomi Elimelech Melion Chilion I'll take it and not only am I going to take it am I going to buy it I'm not only going to redeem them that's my boo right there So Boaz takes Ruth and they have a kid. That son's name is Obed. And Obed has a son down his line named Jesse. And Jesse has a son named David. And David's great, 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 great grandson is the reason why we stand in this place today. Because if you look at the line, if you haven't, if you look at the line, the line of Jesus comes all the way back 
to a Moabite woman who said one day on a road when everything was broken and everything was lost, I'm going. Ruth says to Naomi, pick me up easy. I'm broken, but I'm going. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastor.